Right at the Fork is brought to you by our friends at Harry and David. You may know Harry and David for their gifts, but many people have grown to appreciate their homegrown products for easy, delicious home entertaining, from ready-made appetizers to complete gourmet dinners. Find out all you need to know at harryanddavid.com. And from now until the end of February, enter the promo code PDX10 on harryanddavid.com to get 10% off. And thank you, Harry and David. I'm Chris Angelus. I'm your host. I do a little thing called Portland Food Adventures. We have some pretty cool events in Portland and some travel opportunities to Europe and elsewhere, which you can find at portlandfoodadventures.com. And also, I like the Instagram, portlandfoodadv. We're also here with Heather Jones, our producer. If you have any show ideas, if you have a restaurant and need some great publicity, because Heather does some fantastic works with work with some of Portland's premier restaurants here in town. Uh, Heather's our producer and uh, and we're both really happy we've we didn't know we would get to two years. And we wouldn't have been able to do that without assistance from our crack engineer. Well he doesn't he's not doing crack, but he's a fantastic engineer, Court Johnson. He also happens to be uh, one of Portland's best morning radio jocks. I don't know if he's really a jock, but a morning personality um, on kink.fm. And you can find him there as well. Uh, and once in a while, I have the opportunity to talk about the Portland food scene. We touch on it a little bit, certainly not as in-depth as we do here on Right at the Fork. So if you like this podcast, please share with your friends and um, and. Uh, Tune in and rate us and do all those good things. This particular podcast, I think you're going to really enjoy. It's with Lisa Herlinger of Ruby Jewel Ice Cream. I look at it, I see it as a perfect Portland success story that started as an idea to do something cool at the Portland Farmer's Market, grew into some ice cream shops, uh, and then went to outside of Portland and into the stores of Portland to sell some fantastic ice cream sandwiches. And, and recently, Ruby Jewel Ice Cream has had to expand from um, their facility up to 10,000 square foot facility out near the airport. And I had the opportunity to do a part two of this podcast by going out there and talking to Lisa about what it takes to get to that point where Ruby Jewel is now and where it hopes to go, and uh, some of the trials and tribulations and the challenges and joys uh, that go with building a company like Ruby Jewel in Portland. Um, And I think you'll enjoy the story. Uh, Certainly the best way to round the story out, the multimedia experience, is to pick up either an ice cream or head to one of the three Ruby Jewel shops in Portland and experience uh, their great product. And I think you get a feel for Lisa's personality in the shops as well. So uh, hopefully after you hear this podcast and at the end or actually in the middle, before we go to the break, Lisa describes a lot of her flavors. You're going to want to get in your car, hook this podcast up, and listen to it on the way to Ruby Jewel. So thanks for joining us, and uh, enjoy. 
So thanks for coming in. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you because we love the ice cream. Awesome. And I've been told we would love you. <laughs> so we haven't met yet. But I have enjoyed uh, lots of your ice cream, both from the uh, the shops yep. or shop. I think I've been to the one across from Lardo. Okay. On a lot. And, and I want you to know, at Lardo, they always suggest going across the street to Ruby Jewel. Oh, nice. If you didn't know that already. Yeah, we, yeah. I, I didn't know that, but I know our managers are friends and I, I know they do a lot of, yeah, cross promotion that's, between the that's two. That's the Portland way. It is the Portland way and Grasa too. I'm really yeah, that's big a big fan of Grasa. I am too. Yeah. I love, I love their pasta. I couldn't go for a while because my son was in the kitchen there and that was kind oh, of, yeah. yeah, I couldn't show up. Yeah. My, our friend Todd kitchen. is the, the chef over there. Oh really? Yeah. Do you know Todd? I I have met him, but I haven't been in there in a while. But okay. I'm sure he's a friend of my son's. Yeah, yeah, because he just left and went back to school. So now I can go back into class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. Nice. So, isn't it interesting how the um, the Portland food world works in this collaborative spirit? Mm-hmm. Now you're operating in other markets and mostly in a retail basis. Yes. But you probably don't, you don't see that in other markets the way you see it in Portland. How people are collaborative. And- yeah, well, well, how someone will, t- you know, they serve cookies and they'll give you dessert at Grasa or, or Lardo, but that they'll tell you to go across oh, the yes. Jewel. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah. Or that everybody, every chef will say, go to this restaurant. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, folks like... Um, Tyler and Chad of Fifty Licks, and yep. it's, they're, like they're say, not all. They don't. They're they don't all boil up when you talk about the competitor, right? Right. And you don't either. No, no. So, I mean, it's Portland. I know it's like funny. It's it's so natural to feel like that. That's the way it is here because it just seems like. But then when you go, yeah, to other cities and you you know you're talking to people and it, it isn't quite like that. No one can get that because yeah, yeah. coming from the East Coast, and I mentioned this this morning. When I was uh, talking to Court on um, on the radio, um, no one in in the East Coast would ever think of telling you to go to the place across the street if it was a competitor. And here, yeah, that's standard operating procedure. Yeah. Everybody's kind of rooting. For, no one's rooting for anybody not to succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same in coffee shops. You know, I you know go to my local coffee shop, but they're you know always recommending. Oh, you should go try this new place or. I love that in the coffee world and in the beer, you know, like all the different it's all places worlds. you go to drink. It's just, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, great. Uh, it's just It's how it should be. I know, it well, it is. And wouldn't it be a wonderful world? It's like imagine with, you know, there are no countries. This is, there are no competitors mm-hmm. that it's just enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but wouldn't it be wonderful if politics work like that too? Oh, yes. Wouldn't that be nice? That would never yes, happen. Yes, no. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of which, ice cream has gotten very... Popular. Not that it hasn't been popular. I mean, I remember as a kid, Baskin Robbins, of course, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Carvel. Mm-hmm. You ever been to a Carvel? I, I've seen their frozen ice cream cakes in the grocery store, but I've never seen an actual shop. Uh, well, they had the soft serve like Dairy Queen, okay. and then the bon- the the chocolate bonnet on it, which would get hard, and you could mm-hmm. love that. And you have that too. I've we had have it that at Ruby Jewel. Yep. The, well, we haven't. We haven't. The soft serve has been away. Not soft serve, but you the, have the hard shell. Oh, we have the hard shell. Yes, 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 yes. yes but we are. And that's a special. That's a nice reminder mm-hmm. of childhood. Mm-hmm. Got to have the hard shell. I know. I know. So when you were, how long before you were in the ice cream business could you envision that you would have been in the ice cream business? You were in physical therapy. This is physical this therapy. is different type of therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, honestly, 
I basically um, kind of, it, it all happened really fast. Um, I, after I had gone to culinary school after college um, and came out to back to Oregon, I went to college in the Pacific Northwest. But you also went, so you're probably going to get to Johnson and Wales. Yeah. Wasn't that, isn't there also? In Rhode Island. In Rhode Island. Yeah, okay, so they open, right. they have like satellite campuses. So okay. I had been working at the high school in Steamboat Springs as a as an aide with developmentally disabled kids, and the 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 Johnson Wales recruiters came up, and you know were trying to get the high school students to come and go to culinary school after they graduated. And I was sitting in the class after I had been to the CIA in New York, and kind of was like, oh my god, this is definitely you know this is what this is where I want to be is you know going to culinary. That just felt so right to me. And then when the Johnson and Wales came and they're like, we're opening this brand new, you know, facility in Denver, it just, it was a lot easier. And they had a program for um, people who already had a bachelor's degree. It was called a like Gardasher degree. So you could just do a one year intensive culinary. And so I, so um, they weren't trying to recruit me, but I ended up, you know, probably the only one in that class, <laughs> like that whole school who ended up going to Johnson and Wales the first year it opened. Oh, so the faculty to student ratio was pretty nice. I remember it was. It was just a bad. I'm. I'm not a, a proponent of culinary schools too much. Um, and why? What happened? What was your you experience know, to make you think? Well, that? it was just. It, well, it was. It was the program was so new that, um, you know, they didn't have all their ducks in a row, and you know, I just I felt like we did a lot of cleaning and like you know, and I had already worked in it. You know, it it was it wasn't geared toward people that already worked in kitchens. I, they just, I mean, they started from scratch, but they also didn't have, they were just like using us as a test group in a way. And I just felt like it was really probably expensive. probably still not the case now. And yeah, they yeah, probably, it's probably real, way right, more expensive. Now, yeah, and, and I'm sure they've got it down, but like with this first crew, it was, you know, and I was just like, I mean, it, it was great. I, I learned I, the pastry. I learned how to make ice cream there for the first time. Okay. And use <clears throat> ice so cream you learned machines. technique that you wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and... I, I, there, I, there was one um, chef that did like Bialis and I was just like so excited because I was, I'd never learned how well, to. So you got something out yeah, of Yeah, I did get something uh, out biggest... But I had to pay student loans back for years and I was kind of bitter. It wasn't you can just work then. in what? the restaurant. Was it really, exp- how much was it back then? Um, I think total for the year, it was like 16, 17 grand. Oh, that was a lot back yeah. then. That would be a yeah. lot today. Yeah, yeah. It was like 12 years. Well, let's see. No. Like seventeen years ago. Oh my god! So you don't you don't necessarily feel that it prepared you for cooking. My one of the nightmares I have when I wake up in the middle of the night, aside from the, the typical high school ones with the you know no clothes on and all that <laughs> stuff, but the one that I have that um, is tough because I'm around a lot of chefs is that I'm expected to know how to cook. Like I'm a chef oh, all of a sudden, yeah. and I you know I only know what I know at home, and I marvel at what everybody does, the skills that they have, the knowledge that they have, and the, the, uh, just the time and effort and thanklessness they put in. Yeah. Um, and so do you feel you got that out of culinary school or did you, it was that just like a springboard? I, I mean, we did ace carving. We did like, you know, how to break down the, you know, the, the animals, like that kind of stuff, but skills that I'm using. No, I mean, I feel like skills like, you know, I, I so I moved to Portland after culinary right. school, try out at Paley's and it was right after September eleventh and I like go into the Paley's kitchen with my like, you know, new culinary school outfit on and he's he asked me to make um ratatouille and I was like 
I was totally nervous. That's I mean, one of the things I can make. That's oh, really? The, one of the really? easier well, things. Well, I was like, I was like, I mean, looking back, I mean, so green. I'm like, well, how, 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 like every chunk of eggplant, like how big does this have to be? And how, you know, do you want the garlic minced or smashed? I mean, I, and they were just like, oh God, this girl is just. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, at that time, it literally, I'd finished my internship in at culinary in Sun River, moved to Portland and right after September 11th. So I had, you know, went to Higgins and did the same kind of tryout day, you know, and Paley's. And I think I was scheduled to go to Wildwood. And, you know, but, nobody was hiring. It was just that. Well, but it do was, you realize, was, I'm sure you realize how awesome it is that those are the places that are the foundation for the Portland food scene that you were going to, yeah. uh, you know, try out. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because fast forward, um, when I, I, I think I had mentioned that um, you know through Ruby Jewel I had entered this contest called the America's Food Fight, and when you went to apply with your food product, you know there was about eighty-five people and their food. You know, can this can this make it in the grocery stores? Well, they had three judges. There's a chef, a food scientist, and a market a food marketing person. So there's Vitaly Paley as my chef, as my is my judge, and I was just like, oh god, so nervous. How, how, how did you out? do with the ratatouille that day? By the way, how did that come out? Um, I, don't, I don't. I honestly don't even remember. I just remember going. I just knew I was just bombing like the whole time because I. I just knew I was around people that I shouldn't and have been asking. And the then questions. how did the contest go? Well, the contest went well. It I, went really I, well. I won the contest. Yes. Out of how many people? There was, I think, eighty-five or ninety people. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And having Vitaly judge. Yeah. That's, there's some credibility yeah. going on there. That's just not. Totally. Anybody from a commercial, it's not a, you know, put someone in there to make it look good. I yeah. mean, it does, yeah. but I mean, he, yeah. that, I think we have, it about. was all videotaped. So I think, I think we even have on camera him eating it saying, this is the best thing I've eaten all day. Oh, great. Kind of have that memory. And what, 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 what did you make? That, nice that was sandwich? the cinnamon chocolate cookie with Stumptown Espresso. And I had also brought the fresh mint with a dark chocolate cookie. Wow. Yeah. So you, you were on the collaborative effort. Oh, yeah. Else was. Yeah. I mean, that's how I started Ruby Jewel at the farmer's market. At the using, farmer's market. Using all the local ingredients. Are you still, you're still using Stumptown? We don't, no, we use Nosa Familia now. Okay. Actually, yeah. They have good coffee. I have a little bag of theirs, yeah. too. Yeah. And they've just got a great story, Augusto, from, from there. It's his family who, um, you know, it's their plantation down in Brazil. And mm-hmm. It's awesome. And so, how did you make the? This is kind of off on a tangent, but yeah. how did you make the decision to go to Nasa Familia from what you were doing? That's a big decision well, because it's an important part ingredient. Yeah. Here. Well, you know, honestly, so in the ten years we did start with Stumptown, um, we went to we started working with Blue Gardenia for a little while. Do you remember that little bakery on Mississippi? Mm-mm. It was. It's where. Uh, that Little Big Burger is now. Yeah, it was this little bakery, and he had this little had a he had a coffee roaster in the front, and so and he was trying to get their their um, coffee in the grocery stores through this little machine. But it was it was great coffee, and there you know there you know I just I was you know people that I knew and I met and I was you know trying to support them and try to collaborate with them, and then we worked with Portland. Um, God, what was I think it's just Portland Coffee Company. We had a lot of people coming to us, like, can you use our stuff? And um, and then, well, so, yeah, I think Blue, Blue Gardenia had gone out of business, and then we went to Portland Roasting Company. Portland Roasting. Yes. And then, um, you know, and they're like, oh, we're, you know, we'll give you the toddy maker. And they had a really great story, too. Like, they're, 
I mean, there's just so many options here. There are a lot of there's great so stories many, going there's on. There's so many great stories. That's why we have this podcast. Totally. You're doing Pretty great. Pretty much it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so you're uh, not so familiar. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to back up to... Um, so your ice cream sandwich was really what got you started. Totally. Totally got us started. And did you envision at that time that you were going to have some Portland shops? Did you envision no. the, the reach you were going to have? No. At so... so it wasn't a, there wasn't a business plan at the time. No, no. Basically, so basically, I started selling them at the farmers market. Um, I mean, I could go back. And so, further, it was, if you if you make this, they will come, and then let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens. So yeah, like I, I think there's a lot of that going on in Portland. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I had got, so I'd gone to oh back up a little bit. So had gone to culinary school, moved here, wasn't. I mean, my my idea when I went to culinary school, I didn't want to be a chef. I just wanted, I love food and I, I was thinking I could be a buyer for like a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods and I could travel the world and I, or I could be a food writer, although I'm not a great writer. You know, I had all these other ideas, but I just felt like having the, the basic knowledge. I mean, I knew what it was like in a restaurant and it's not as, you know, glamorous as, you know, the TV makes it look. So I kind of felt like I had that. But then I moved here thinking, you know, I just, it was still trying to get more experience and then with 9-11 and it was just a bad time to find a job in the Portland food scene. So I ended up working at Milo's City Cafe and it was great. I worked four days a week, benefits, open kitchen. I met all these great, I mean, there's a lot of like local people that would go there for breakfast and, you know, Earl Blumenauer and I, you know, helped cater his wedding. Yeah. So I, I, I got, and then I started getting involved with the Portland Chefs Collaborative and we would have meetings at Higgins, like, once a month and just kind of talk about what's going on and how we're connecting. It was kind of, you know, the, the, the very, the real start of connecting and having how the chefs are going to connect with the, with the farmers. And I mean, Greg Higgins, you know, pioneered a lot of that here. Um, Wouldn't it it be fun to have recordings from those meetings just to be, Oh my God, it'd be so great. And like the spreads that he would put out, which was like such a great part of the There were no Instagram (laughs) feeds back then. No, no. I mean, when I started, I didn't even have a website. Um, so, but one of the things that we did at the chef's collaborative was, um, we'd have a booth at the farmer's market and all the different chefs would make like sauces or, you know, spreads and, and then they'd, you know, package them up in little pint containers and sell them and we'd sell them. And then all the money would go to like the growing gardens programs and things like that. So that was really, that was the trigger for me was going to the farmer's market and, being there as as on the other side, not as a customer. And mm-hmm. I just I, like setting up, getting there early before everyone else, like seeing the farmers bringing in all the goods. Like I was I'm, basically, I'm like, I'm going to figure out something to sell here. I'm not going to be a farmer, but I'm going to figure something out. And so that was, I mean, literally. So this was like, I don't know, probably within a year. And then, you know, I've had this ice cream, you know, ice cream is ice cream. And, and I knew that they didn't have any ice cream at the farmer's market and ice cream sandwiches. You know, I just had, I'm like, oh, the, my, the chef in me is just like, there's so many potentials of combinations and we have so much great, you know, d- d- dairies and you know, everything here. So that was the start. So I was working at Milo's. I actually, then I left and worked at the park kitchen for a little bit, went on my soul searching road trip. And then I came back, worked at Milo's and then applied for the Portland Farmer's Market. And I mean, it really was just like, well, let's try ice cream sandwiches and see. And it was that first summer at the Farmer's Market and people were like coming back. They're like 
the buzz was starting. I wasn't, you know, I well, wasn't, it wasn't people I had known. It wasn't cr- friends. Cookies and ice cream. Cookies and ice way, cream. So. I know, I know. It's a, it's, all you have to do is a good job with it. Exactly. And, and you had so many opportunities for different flavors. Totally, totally. You know what I just noticed? I used to like the seal test ice cream sandwiches growing up. The, and, the, the, the rectangular chocolate wafer. Yeah, the rectangular wafer ones. And then the, recently, I don't, there wasn't that brand probably, uh, I don't know who it was out here. But they're down to like two finger size. You know, it used to be a thing oh, yeah. that was literally yeah, three yeah, yeah, inches yeah. wide yeah. and six inches long that you could lick the sides. Yep, yep, yep. As and it now melted. it's like, I, it's so small, it's ridiculous. It's actually good for me. I better, maybe they've been following me and saying, yeah. this is what you, this is all you can handle. But, um, but those were delicious, but mm-hmm. what you're doing is a completely yeah, different thing. Yeah, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. But they're still, you know, it's still, still ice cream. reminiscent of what we loved as exactly as a child. So, what's your favorite flavor of ice all, cream of all everything you make? Fre- the fresh mint with dark chocolate is. I just crave that the most. Um, and you still crave it I after still, all these years. I, I, I yeah, I, I don't know if I crave is it, it as your, much. Is it your That's best? the one. If they're all laying out, like I'll definitely go for that one. Is that your best seller? Actually, chocolate chip with vanilla bean is our bestseller. Okay. And I didn't think I was going to do that. That was another business decision. I'm like, no. I, and I was going to go even crazier, like that chocolate rosemary with, or with the mint cookie or mint ice cream. And but something, this guy named Phil Chubb, who is a friend, um, he said you have to do chocolate chip vanilla. I have two boys. You got to do chocolate chip vanilla. And I was like, oh, but that's, you know, I kind of wanted to have more fun with it. Like, he's like, but if you do it really well and you, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, okay. And now, of course, that's our biggest seller. We had called it the chub for a while before I realized what the chub meant. <laughs> and there was a real story behind Phil Chubb naming the, the ice cream sandwich. Um, but yeah, so chocolate chip vanilla, then the dark chocolate with fresh mint, and then the lemon cookie with honey lavender. Ooh, that sounds good. That's our... So I, you just triggered me to think of something. I put two and two together. So uh, not long ago, I was very honored to be invited by the Paleys to their house for dinner. Oh, nice. They were, we were kind of getting a let's get to know each other dinner as we're planning some trips to Europe. And uh, so Vitaly made the most incredible dinner. Mm. I mean, it was, it was there were three of us. And it was enough for an army, oh, uh, you know. Just real, Kimberly. This, and Kimberly yeah. was there. She wasn't feeling that well, so she was kind of going along, and, and I brought a little wine, and we had some of that. But the dessert came, mm. like, so, and Kimberly didn't know what Vitaly was doing, and you know what he did? Mm-mm. He threw down a bunch of Ruby Jewel ice cream sandwiches and sliced them up, and that's what we had no for way. dessert. That's awesome. So that's what comes full circle from your Ratatouille yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. That that's what he was serving. Yeah. And, and I was glad because he had gone to, to for me, so, so much trouble to grill meats and fish and side dishes. I was g- glad that he didn't go out of his way for, for the dessert. For the, but, for the dessert. Yeah. But that he thought enough of Ruby Jewel to, that that would to be serve. the appropriate thing. Awesome. Yeah. So that's great. So um, are there any restaurants that are serving your ice cream exclusively um restaurants that are serving well we've got like hot lips pizza mm-hmm. fire on the mountain um gracie's and hotel deluxe serves our actual ice cream oh that's nice elephant's deli serves. by the way gracie's is a beautiful restaurant it is a beautiful i haven't actually eaten there yet. i had i had brunch there once did you and it's yeah. 
It, you know, there's no, I don't know the chef. I'm sure there's a chef, but yeah. we don't hear about them. But yeah. It's a beautiful restaurant. It is. I know. I, it is. I, first time I went in there to, you know, talk to them about the ice cream. I, I had never been in there before, but it, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Elephant's Deli. Um, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot of like small. So are you, like, are you a um, frequent diner in Portland? Pretty. I am pretty frequent. And where do you frequent? Where do I frequent? Well, I live in North Portland. So I'm like, I was like, you, you got to kind of give me like a breakfast. I go to Broder. I go to Sweetie D. Very nice. Sweetie D. I love this um, place, that place on Killingsworth that just opened Milk Glass. And we were just talking, I was just talking about that with Maya Lovelace this morning. She gave me her list of oh, okay. favorite places. Oh, okay. And she just wouldn't stop gushing. So yeah. I have to, I have to try it's it. It's really cool. It's just super simple and um, really quality, like pastries and little, um, they do a, a good um, egg sandwich. Same thing she said. That's amazing how that happens. Egg sandwiches. I love in, a good fried egg sandwich, which is hard to find. I can't imagine that it's hard to well, find. You just have to yeah. know where to go. You, you have know to have the top. What was the, what was the, what was it called? No, what, what was it ripe but in that restaurant where Broder is? What was that? Gotham Tavern. Right. Then they had made an amazing fried egg sandwich on the, on the Sprioche. Yeah, the, the fried egg sandwich that Broder has is pretty damn good too. I haven't had it. It's like there. a country thing. It's open face. So. Oh yeah, with the ham. With the ham. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and then Life of Pie is my pizza. I love Life of Pie for pizza. I have not been to Life of Pie oh yet. And what makes it so good? Oh, it is, you know, it's it's the it's the style of, you know, Ken's. It's like more, you know, the plate size. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's like the crust is like perfectly crispy and a little chewy and flavorful. And it's like on par with the pizza shoals for me and you know they have this they make this chili oil that they you know put on the table love the chili it, oil on the table five dollar margarita pizzas before five before five o'clock every day really it's such a deal they have a great kale salad but the you know and this they have the all oh, the, the i mean it's so good life of pie life i have heard pie. you talk about pizza and i'm like you haven't even mentioned that one yet no haven't it, i've never you, been you, there and i'm I like my pizza. I know everybody yeah. likes their pizza, yeah. but I haven't been there. I have to I try it. I What's your pizza, pizza of choice? So if, you, if you're going to the traditional pizza place and it's order what you want, what's your pizza of choice? Oh, sausage and peppers. Oh. Very sausage good. And I'm a sausage and onion, but I'll take my the dad was a sausage and onion. So we grew up having half sausage and onion, half mushroom. My mom is a vegetarian. My dad's sausage. And I, I liked them both, but I didn't, the onions I always kind of picked off. I'm just now actually, I like fried onions. Only. Mm-hmm. Like, and, or caramelized. Caramelized, and, yes. But, yeah, they have to be really cooked for me to enjoy it on a pizza. There's, uh, oh, I won't go into it. I, you get me started on pizza, I'll start I know. thinking about different places. So, you so, don't, at Ruby Jewel, mm-hmm. speaking of sausage and onion, you're never going to make a sausage and onion ice cream. We will never make a sausage <laughs> and onion ice cream. No, it's funny because um, Jordan, who owns Fire in the Mountain, um, I really love their Jamaican jerk sauce. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can That's one of the, yes. Well, we always go through. The, yeah. I like my sauce on the side there, by the way. Yeah, I like I my sauce on the side. Well, I like, and I'm not a, I, I'm not a, I don't like, I'm a foodie that doesn't like chicken thighs or bones in her chicken, mm, which is, okay. I know, super not okay. But I, I like the tenders there and then I, I get the jerk sauce with it. Oh, I love them. But anyways. So, so he had said you should make a Jamaican jerk, and I was like, "That's way more salt and straw esque than me." Like you know, that does it. That sounds too too. 
So you're uh, going to leave all that to salt and straw. The crazy crazy. The crazy crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then how do you feel about that crazy crazy? You know, I, I, it's fun. I mean, it's fun and I, it definitely gets, you know, attention. And I think, I think it's great. I think that, I mean, we had put those flavor suggestion cards out at our shop for the first, you know, through three years and got all of those kind of crazy. Did you really? Oh my God. We got all the stuff that, you know, like people, you know, the avocado, ice cream, you know, and, you know, my goal was to like eventually, you know, try to, you know, really sift through those and do them, but it kind of got a little too crazy. But people want that or like think they want to try that. And, you know, when we've done crazier flavors. And what's the crazy you know, flavor for you? Crazy flavors for us is like the candied bacon um, mm-hmm. with a, you know, caramel ice cream and, you know, we'll candy the bacon. That's we, no longer that far out. It's there. not that far out. Yeah. 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 Um, we do the, for as far as cheese and ice cream, we, we work with Portland Creamery for the, you know, the fresh goat cheese and, you know, put different like jam swirls in it, um, but not super crazy, you know, like. So I'm curious what you think when you drive by some salt and straw locations and see those lines out the door. I, I, you know, I think it's great. I think that bringing all the attention to to Portland for great ice cream is, it's a win-win. I mean, it really, it's, they've brought so much great attention, obviously, to to the Portland ice cream scene. So does it increase your sales too? So you people know, it's, think, it's funny, hey, like, we can go to Ruby Jewel and we don't have to. They don't have to wait in line at Ruby Jewel. Sometimes there's yeah. a line Yeah, oh, there's there. in the summertime I, on Mrs. Yeah, exactly. and actually West End is, is now just right. about, West just about is the same, yeah, volume now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for Kim and Tyler. And it's do you, great. Do you I mean, hang out with her at all? You know, no, I don't. Actually, I've never met Tyler, but I have met Kim before because she had worked at a place up in Seattle, um, Cupcake Royale, mm-hmm. and um, I knew that woman, Jody Jody Hall, who owns that. So I had a little interaction with her, and they had actually come into to Ruby Jewel when we first opened before they had opened, and I was showing them around and. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. I'd like to have a little videotape of that, yeah. that, that encounter. Yeah, yeah. But they're such nice people. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we know Chad at 50 Lick. Yeah, he's, he's like, I like him a guy. lot. Yeah, so I know him a little bit. More, and he but. does, everybody's got their own niche. Yeah. You're doing something. So we do, you know, like more approachable flavors really well. You know, mm-hmm. like I had seen, and I didn't, did lots of ice cream shop research before and you know so many of these old school ice cream places just have like gallons of flavorings you know just flavors that they just dump in and and where do you get yours where oh we make everything that oh, where do you source a, a lot of your oh well we talked about coffee but yeah i mean yeah it? well we get a lot of chocolate well through provista but we have about you know four or five different chocolates for different recipes different we have a uh, our biggest seller is our caramel ice cream so we make the caramel it's the dulce de leche every day we whole milk vanilla bean and sugar and cook it down until it's like a really really deep dark color mix that in with the ice cream and then we um you know freeze it and then put it in the blast freezer but we leave about you know an inch and a half up top and then we make a, a dark chocolate ganache and pour it over the top and then sprinkle it, of course, with the Jacobsons, you know, flake sea salt. Okay. And um, You're causing my brain not to go in brain freeze. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that so we use a chocolate for that. We use diff- different cocoa powders and different chocolates in our double chocolate ice cream. You know, we just did a, a chocolate chip squared ice cream that had, we'd use these micro chocolate chips, which were really fun. They're just super, super small and, you know, that, you know. 
There's so many I could go off. I know. That, that we could, yeah, be we a could whole... talk for a while about it, but yeah. uh, why don't you, because we, we have limited time, but why don't you tell me what's coming up that you're excited about some new flavors? And then I want to ask you, is there any correlation between what sells at the shop and what sells uh, at the retail level? You know, the, the sandwiches, are there differences on what people are looking for when they're buying ice cream sandwiches at the store? Versus what they order at the shop. Yeah. So with that, yeah. So the cookies, so when you go to the, you can come to Ruby Jewel, you can get an ice cream sandwich and there's about four or five different cookies that we make in house. We have a pastry chef that makes all of our cookies, all of our sauces, all of our toppings. Shout out to your pastry chef. Leila Ellis. Awesome. She had worked at um, Pix for many, many years. And then she um, worked at New Seasons before she luckily came to work for us. And she has been working in that West End kitchen in this tiny little space for the volumes she was doing. She makes, you know, we make marshmallow fluff for a lot of our flavors. Um, we have a, like a fluffer nutter where we have a peanut, salted peanut butter ice cream and then marshmallow fluff and vanilla wafers to kind of, you know, get that fluffer nutter sandwich back in there. Anyway, so she, she's, she's, been, she's been great. But she makes all the cookies. And we always have a chocolate chip and we always have a double chocolate chip. And then the other two are kind of, we just change it out a little. And the cookies are different than the cookie sandwiches that you get in the stores. The cookies that we use for our ice cream sandwiches in the grocery stores, they're made with our recipe at a bakery up in Seattle, actually. And we get them shipped down thousands, you know, by the, you know, a week. And those are, those are designed to, they're just flatter because I'm really particular about the ratio of ice cream to cookie. And it was really hard to get the cookie just right. And in the shops, we tried to use those cookies, but they weren't holding up as well. They're just, we, we freeze, the cookies are frozen. We make the ice cream sandwiches when the cookie's frozen. So once the cookie starts, was starting to thaw at the shops, like they just weren't holding up well. And, you know, we were getting some bad feedback on it. So now Layla has been making all the cookies for the shop. So it's different. It's just a different experience. It's like, it's just a whole, this actually ice cream sandwiches is totally different experience. So people have very strong opinions on either. They either like one or they like the other. So we've had a lot of, we've been, we're coming up on two years of this podcast. We've had a lot of food people, a lot of people who make amazing. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to use the word amazing. I told myself I'm getting away from that. <laughs> Fantastic food. I don't think anybody's done the job of wetting the appetite, of wetting our listeners' appetites as, and I don't think you were purposely doing it. You're just talking about what you do. Oh, about But what? if Describe. someone doesn't want to go down to Ruby Jewel after listening to this, oh. I don't know what it's going to take. <laughs> But that was, uh, uh, I'm going to get down there probably tonight. Awesome. I'm going to be in the area. Awesome. uh, Which one? Which one? uh, West End. West End. Because I'm going to be downtown. So I'll jump over there. How late are you open on? uh, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Yes. Every night, 10 except for weekends, 11. And then do you change that in the summer? 11 every day in the summer. 11 every day. Mm -hmm. And so what are the, uh, where do people need to know to go? Website? Instagram, yeah. all that stuff. Um, the website's rubyjewel.com. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't and know. how did you get the name Ruby? Yeah, everything is in is from there. Yeah, oh, yeah you yeah. can get it there. Yeah. So how did you get the name Ruby Jewel? Ru- Last thing. Ruby Jewel is the name of a yurt in Colorado. When I lived in Steamboat Springs, I had gone on this cross-country ski trip with some women, and we had this awesome trip, great food, just everything was awesome. And it was just just skiing to the Ruby Jewel yurt and 
just something about it just kept stayed with me. It was it was it was my happy place, like and, being outside in the in the in and, the yurt. And I just seriously just named. I mean, literally. So did you have? There was no doubt when it came time to name your ice cream company. Yeah. And you said Ruby Jewel. It's like we're yeah. not even going to have a contest for a second. No, it was yes. going to be Ruby Jewel. Yeah. Beautiful. But there was no, you know, when I was skiing to Ruby Jewel, I did not think about. An ice cream well, company. it was a nice refreshing. <laughs> it was a refreshing thing to do, and it was refreshing yeah. to have you here. Yeah. So, um, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. It was a wonderful time, and uh, I'm glad to know a little bit more. Yes. So, Heather, Harry, and David, for years, my parents would send me wonderful holiday gifts when I lived on the East Coast, and they lived on the East Coast, and I didn't know at the time. These were all coming from Oregon. Amazing. Yeah, I, I hadn't really associated Harry and David uh, at all with, with Oregon. And so I was really delighted and surprised to find out that they are a Southern Oregon company. I, I If you would ask me, I would have said Napa because the the quality of, of what they do is on such a tremendous scale that I would have said, you know, you would it would be someplace like a New York or a Napa or something. But then we both moved to Oregon and we realized that the real quality is up here. And we learned it. Yes. We figured so, it out. And really uh, glad to learn that those delicious, incredible pears and a lot of the fruit and all those wonderful gifts came from Medford. Yeah. The Medford area. Yeah. Well, and they do so much. I mean, you just take a look at their website. It's gorgeous. Um, all kinds of pantry goods and fresh fruit and cheese and charcuterie and great ideas for grabbing a quick hostess gift or um or gift in general for the holidays or meals or meals or yeah something that you're you're entertaining you want to grab something that's just going to be you know put it on a plate it's an appetizer done you're on to cooking the rest of the meal great solutions for that so no one better to be so kind as to sponsor our podcast, yeah. Harry and David, and we Love really them. we really appreciate it. And best of all, they're offering our listeners ten percent off with promo code PDX ten at HarryandDavid.com. And you have a little while to use it too. You have until the end of February two thousand sixteen. So go use it. Go use it. All right. So when it comes to success stories in Portland, there's nothing better than. A brand that starts at the farmer's market and then goes national. So we thought it was nice to come over to the new six million square foot (laughs) Ruby Jewel facility. That's all national. That's what it feels like to you, right? Six million square feet? It feels huge, yes. Right. So we thought it would be really nice to come over and check it out and uh, talk a little bit about what Ruby Jewel is doing and where where it's come from and where it's going. Right, right, right. yeah. So how many years ago at the farmer's market? We already talked about that, but just to give a little perspective. Started in 2004, so 11 years ago. 11 years, Mm -hmm. and you looked for space for quite a while. Back here, then, here, no, yeah, here, to here. find where we, we are yeah, here by the two, airport. Yeah, about two years of looking for a, a space big enough to, to build out some freezers, have enough electrical capacity, and be, you know, 
Yeah. So that's a long way from when you went to the farmer's market. What did it entail when you made your ice cream sandwiches? Where was it happening? And what was your prep like for, for going to sell ice cream sandwiches at the farmer's market in 2004? Oh, it was crazy different. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I think I went once a week to Sunshine Dairy to get milk and cream. I went and got chocolate chips at Trader Joe's. I, I had a different place for every ingredient and then you know, you've got cookie ingredients and then the ice cream and, you know, where am I going to, you know, I, I don't think I can crack all these eggs to make enough egg yolks for this, you know, it's just, and so I was just all, I was just all over the place. And I mean, literally working, you know, 16 hour days, you know, seven days a week with just making like 75 ice cream sandwiches a week. And so that would net you what at the end of the oh, week? Zero. Pretty much, yeah. I put, I put it, I think I used my whole $3,000 savings account. I bought myself a mixer and a, a White Mountain, you know, ice cream maker. And um, I, the restaurant Milo's I was working at, he had one too. So I was kind of at least had two ice cream makers, but it wasn't, a, it just wasn't about the money. I wasn't, I was just wanting to do something that was, you know. But you didn't start with a big business plan and say, this is where I'm going to no, get to here. No, I didn't even know it was going to be a grocery store business. I mean, I was thinking it would be a nice farmer's market. I just thought... It would be a nice Portland thing to yeah, do. To right. be involved in the whole community, get out there on Saturdays in the fresh air. Yes. And be with other cool people. Exactly. And you're still with cool people. Now it's a little yeah, different. No. And you're with, you got your sister working. Yep, yep. And Becky, yep. your husband, yep, too. Yep. So everybody's... It's a family business. So what's everybody doing? So Becky is... Well, she Okay, so she started um, just doing a little bit of everything at the very beginning. She came in about a year after I started and... Um, you know, helped me at the farmer's market, helped me in production, um, helped with the catering requests that we were getting at the time. And then, but her background, she went to UNLV and has a background in restaurant management. And I have, you know, went to culinary school. I've always been more back of the house, not the front of the house. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, what are, you know, how are we going to, you know, grow? And, you know, the idea of opening a scoop shop was because, oh, Becky really can run the front. Like she knows how to, you know, hire people, manage people and do that side. So it just was a really good synergy having Becky have that experience. So Becky um, really ran the scoop shops up until, you know, a couple of months ago, she helped open our third shop at Hawthorne. But now we have an another manager that is really much more hands-on and she's just does a little bit of everything now, just, you know, helping with uh, marketing um, donation requests, um, just, you know, you know, There's all sorts of things that come in. As you were just explaining, you've now got a sales team. Well, we, we hired a broker. A yes, broker, right. Yes, well, you've got yes. sales in Denver. Yes, yes. And you need to come up with display yes. or something so that, so that the grocery stores can... So we can freshen up. Basically, we've, you know, we've been in the business, in the grocery world now about nine years, and we haven't changed much of anything. Um, we, we actually um, um, cleaned up our ingredient label a little bit. We had a non-GMO corn syrup solid in our ice cream, and we got rid of that, but it's actually still on our label, even though it hasn't been there. Um, because until you, you know, the investment in new packaging is, is a lot. And, you know, we just, we're just kind of trying to refresh, you know, we have a whole new line of flavors that we're coming out with. And with the refreshing the packaging, um, we're, yeah, we have to do, I want to do a whole new, you know, a whole new look, but still it, that it's recognizable enough. So that's, that's really been a big priority right now because 
the idea for this place that we just moved into is to start to grow our brand nationwide with ice cream sandwiches with a, you know, a little taste of Portland all over the country. All over the country. So I joked about 6 million square feet or yeah. some number, but how many square feet is it? It's 10,000 square feet. And um, you were just from, you were just coming from a 2,400. Right. So a quarter of that. Mm -hmm. And now you're really happy you showed me where you can just roll pallets yes. of important things, yes. ingredients, right in and just let them sit there instead of carrying them one by yes. one. Yes, and when trucks come to pick up the ice cream sandwiches, we have a dock, I mean this dock door, I'm telling you, I'm opening a bottle of bubbles. I, I, I told the backhaul guy from UNFI, I said, the, you, the first time you guys come here to pick up ice cream, we are opening a bottle of bubbles and we're going to celebrate because the, the, I mean, well, Jane, one of our girls did actually hurt her back because it was, it was so, um, physical and you know awkward positions heavy moving stuff i mean we hand built all those pallets i mean we would do like 10 pallets a week in the summer of like ice cream and now it'll be in that big freezer a forklift in like right onto the truck i mean that just I get so excited about that. It's kind of crazy. And these are things you couldn't have envisioned years oh, no, ago. No, so and no. and things you have to become familiar with and teach yourself oh, and yeah. rely on other people, which I'm sure in Portland you probably in many cases could find people to help you where to source things, how oh, yeah. to build things. Yeah, yeah. I've oh, yeah, I've done a lot of I mean, just like this example, the box, I'm kinda desperate to send out samples um, next week for, you know, to get into stores in March. And I had a meeting with our box guy yesterday, and he came today and brought me samples that I can send just to have something, which I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. I just, you know, people have, people have always been really awesome and, and helpful. And I mean, I hope, you know, I feel like what goes around comes around, so. Yeah. I think that I generally subscribe to that philosophy, that yeah. it does come around. Yeah. So um, do you now, as far as uh, living a full life, mm -hmm. do you now, are you at a spot with the business where you're doing well enough and confident enough where you can Leave. get out of town and enjoy yourself and go on vacation and put the phone down? Yes. This moving project, you know, there's it's like, there's always something, but yeah, I, my sister and I actually went to Africa in, um, in June for two weeks. Our youngest sister has been in the Peace Corps, so we left for two weeks. Um, you no know, data plan? No data plan. Um, I think, you know, my, my kid went to um, Florida to be with his his nephew, but, you know, so we checked up on that. But, no, I felt really good. We, I mean, yeah, we've got a, a, a good team now. I feel like I still... And you got it dialed in. Even though this is new, you're feeling... Yeah. Well, once this we weren't here. Everything, but, yeah, but yeah, once but everything gets into place and everything works, yeah. then you've got, and you got a nice reception area with the with the wood grain yeah. feel yeah. you're happy with, yeah. it's going to be where you want it. Yeah. So, um, I took a look at the maps. You have a Seattle map up. You have a Portland map of yeah. you're in Safeways and New Seasons and Whole Foods. Mm -hmm and other Zupans markets and, and Zupans. So um, how are you how are you getting into the East Coast? Is that through Whole Foods? I know we had Denise Braley yeah, and right, from Whole Foods and did you go through that program yeah, with yeah, her? Yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten so two forth? loans through Whole Foods Market. Yeah, the first loan I got was $20,000 I think six years ago because our compressor on our old freezer went out and it was like seven thousand dollars and you know and like we didn't have that kind of money at all then and 
so we got a loan to them and then they gave us a second loan to help us with our packaging and because you know they knew that we wanted to you know clean up our ingredient label and um, just and so they gave us a loan for $40,000 to help us with our packaging. So they've been really supportive. Um, the local loan producer program has been great. And it's, I mean, such a win-win. I mean, I mean, obviously they make you know, a little bit of interest, but it's not crazy. And, you know, they help promote Ruby Jewel. And, I mean, it's and they have a vested a, interest. And That's the beautiful thing. Right. Is that it, you know you're going to be selling product right. to them if they invest in interest. Exactly, exactly. So is Whole Foods instrumental in going eastward? Well, it, uh, it, it, it should yeah. be. Yeah, I don't know. Safeway is Safeway's kind of Safeway's only on the West Coast, actually. Yeah. It's a, no, it's not critic. Um, that's Fred Meyer. Um, Safeway was just random. We got invited to this, like, tabletop show that our distributor does, and I was like, well, you know, we'll see. And the ice cream buyer came by, and she ate it, and she just kind of walked by, and I was like, huh. I just didn't think anything. And then, like, the next week, like, we really want your product, and I'm like, really? Like, this was so random. Like, it's the whole experience. So... But you but have to be in a position to have random things happen. Yes. They don't just happen. Right, right, right. So right you right. make your life. Right. I wasn't... Right. I was just... Yeah, right. Exactly. So the goal is to, yeah, um, through Whole Foods and the natural, you know, more high-end um, grocery stores is where we've been. I mean, we have a fairly high price point. You know, it's about 350 to 375 for an ice cream sandwich. But actually, compared to some of the other competitors that are out there, we're much... We're actually not as high as them. So I'd like to... St- I don't want to be at, you know, $8 ice cream sandwich. No, that's, that's probably just, a little rough. That's yeah. That's going to limit sales a little bit, especially when you're... Someone's buying for a family. Yeah. That, that. Yeah, I want it to be something like when you know you indulge in something, and I just want people to feel really good about what they're eating, and you know, you know, have something that's really high quality. If you're going to eat that kind of food, like why doesn't you know, why not be really good instead of just you know the the mass produced you know commodity ice cream. That's but I think the price point <laughs> indicates that as well. Yeah, it helps yeah, establish yeah. that quality. Right, right. That, that quality benchmark. Right, right, you know, right. 350 for an ice cream sandwich, you know you're not getting right. something that isn't just processed and put together. So, so do you have plans for when national expansion really takes off for other areas of the country, or do you want to keep Portland your... Can oh. you keep Portland your base? It's like oh, yeah. we've been waiting for In and Out Burger, and that's wow, because they don't want to. They don't want to. It's in Medford. I know it's in Medford, so it's yeah. getting closer. Yeah. But, you know, my first In and Out Burger was uh, 13 years ago, and we were thinking, when is it coming this way? I know. So, uh, so are you? Are you? Can you envision setting that up so you can you have that kind of distribution? No, I mean I'm planning on being a Portland, being a Portland company as far as we can go. Um, um, do you know? Have you heard of Coconut Bliss? There's a, it's a non-dairy pint coconut-based organic, be- like awesome, really great quality. You know, they make all of it down in, um, you know, Junction City. All the product in there, and nationwide, and in Canada, and I don't know. I'm sort of, I sort of look to them like, oh, if they can do it, you know. We can do it. Well, you yeah. can do it. You just yeah. need you just need uh, refrigerator truck. Yeah, right, so right, that's, right. That's what does the deal. So. Yeah. So the goal right now is to to really. Um, I mean, there's so many people that have never heard of Ruby Jewel, like even in Portland, and you know, 
in this area. And so I just feel like we really need to, to be a little strategic with saturating where we are and working on, you know, the West Coast. And, you know, you have to put a lot of mark. You have to just, you have to put a lot of effort in. It's not like you can just put it on the shelf and it'll sell. So you have to really, you know, you put it on sale and then you have to go do these demos and do events and, you know, but getting more involved with communities and, you know, being at the end of a run in a town or, you know, we, we like to support a lot of, you know, children and, um, um, food kind of um, things that, you know, so we try to do events like that, you know, as we grow. And I think it's important in Portland, and you see a lot of companies doing it. Yeah. Just a lot of events. There's a and lot I, of events. And I've made comments to even a few chefs, like, I don't see you. And so I don't know whether that translates into revenue for them or not, but I assume that most of the good chefs wouldn't be spending their time doing free things oh. if it weren't if it wasn't yep. working they'd have that figured out so same yeah, thing right. it's it's nice to get out in the marketplace and oh, yeah. it's touchy feely and oh yeah 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 so. like Zulala and there's all these great I mean there's so many things we've always been um, in support of the boys and girls club it's like the wine and cheese event at the convention center but like somehow we keep going there and it's like everyone yeah you know, there's so many there's so many things well, good. There's only so much you can do, too. But. Well, you're doing it well. So, um, uh, how many, how many, uh, I don't know if you know the number, what you plan on selling this year nationwide? Oh, what, how what many nationwide ice cream? expansion is going to be? Well, nationwide will be, it's not going to be next year. It'll, it'll be a couple of years. Like, like, we really need to focus on the West Coast. I mean, we can, we can, I mean, grow at 100% sales, I think, getting, de you know, to Denver in the Midwest. Um, which is, you know, the part of the plan. Like next year, maybe 100, 50%, then 100%. Like, but you then, never know. You could have that random you moment never happen. Know. Yeah, that's just a, like everybody, right? Right. So. Right. So, and I really am curious to see, like, you know, people have a hard time seeing our product on the shelf right now. So I'm like, what happens if we. You know, have really great packaging. You know, like they they can see what it is, and it's a hard product. It's a harder product to see anyway because it's behind a glass, exactly, which sometimes fogs up. Oh which yeah, obviously has to get in the way. So, um, thank you for having me down here. Yeah, you're That's welcome. It's really cool to I'm take a look at the facility, and you know, it's always we've been in your shops, so there's always a um, the connection mm -hmm. that you feel in the shops. But it's really cool to see where it all goes on, and to have gotten to know you better too. Yeah. You're the your really pleasant part of the company. Thank so. you. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Right at the Fork is hosted by Chris Angelus, produced by me, Heather Jones, and expertly sound engineered by Court Johnson. We record at the beautiful studios of Alpha Media, and we can be found anywhere on the internets where you can listen to podcasts. If you want to find us and talk to us, we love emails and tweets and Facebook posts. You can find us at rightatthefork at gmail.com, on Facebook at Right at the Fork, and on Twitter at foodpodcastpdx. <laughs>